This episode is sponsored by No Issue, the perfect company to go to if you need to up your packaging game. Eco-friendly, custom packaging for your business, ready to make everything look 10 times prettier than it already was. For every order that you place, they plant a tree, so it's not only beautiful, but eco-friendly too. Whether you're in need of stickers, tissue paper, tape or tote bags, they're the people to go to. Thanks to No Issue for sponsoring this episode. Welcome to episode four of the Out of Ink podcast with myself, B. Baranoska, and Molly Lemon. This is the podcast where two Anxious creatives talk openly and honestly about life as an artist. I've massively upped my drinking game this week. Oh yeah, how so? Well, last week was tap water in a chipped glass, so I think anything could have upped that. Yeah, that was a bit sad, wasn't it? (laughs) Mm. But I decided I need more than a glass of water to record a podcast, and so this week I have some whiskey and some ginger beer with fresh lemon and ginger oh how fancy i had a shot of rhubarb vodka that sounds lovely it's really delicious actually did you literally have a shot yeah in a shot glass yeah (laughs) did you actually that's so weird it's too nice to dilute with anything and also i didn't have any lemonade or anything and you can't dilute lovely rhubarb vodka with water no so i just went for it straight in my one of my little fancy uh shot glasses and now i've got wine as well oh nice you're mixing your drinks here it's dangerous (laughs) i just had not a good day and Mm. I was trying to push myself up the anxiety scale a little bit. So why was your day so bad? No, it wasn't really that bad. It's just, if you've been in the UK today, it's been the windiest, wettest day. It's very seasonally wet for May. I walked to the post office and managed to time it the wettest part of the day. And on my way back from the post office, I realised that my flies and my trousers were undone, (laughs) uh, which means they'd been undone on the walk there <laughs> during my time in the post first and halfway back it was just mortifying it's easily done <laughs> i'm sure people wouldn't notice I, it's so wet today and because of that i'm actually recording this in my bedroom instead of my studio because when we recorded the last episode we had to keep pausing because it kept raining and i thought <laughs> we could hear the rain because it might surprise you all to know but we don't have fancy podcasting equipment we're literally recording this on our phones so it doesn't really block out any other noise we're waiting to get some more sponsors and then hopefully that will fund us by buying some equipment <laughs> or we'll just accept free free podcasting microphones to anyone who's got any spare money yeah so uh Dr. Beats, or whatever your name is, <laughs> would you like to give us some headphones? Dr. Beats? Is it like Beats? The brand? <laughs> no, what are those really expensive headphones that are like really Beats. chunky and if you're hipster, yeah. you, basically you can't be hipster unless you own a pair. I'm sure they're called Beats. But I don't think it's Dr. Beats, or do you <laughs> think that's what the, the guy that owns it, that's his name? <laughs> Looking it up. It's Beats by Dr. Dre. Oh, you were so nearly right, and I mocked you. <laughs> so we want to call out to Dr. Dre. Yeah, Dr. Dre, if you have some headphones that are going awry, 
No, it's not headphones. We want we want a microphone. Headphones, microphone, potato, potato. We'll take the free equipment. If you've got speakers going, we'll take those too. <laughs> what are the speakers for? <laughs> for listening to our amazing podcast on. Molly. Oh, so we record it and then we just listen to it on repeat. Yep. <laughs> I was really jealous of your day. Molly just kept messaging me being like, I'm just having such a nice day. I'm having a bath. <laughs> I'm having some whiskey. I'm just having a nice day. And I was there soaking wet, trotting up the hill with my flies undone. <laughs> it does feel a bit luxurious having a bath at three in the afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> That's one of the perks of being self-employed. You can just decide <gasps> to have a bath. There you go. That is a huge perk. Mm. Although you do just feel like a bit weird being in the bath at three in the afternoon. I don't think I've ever had a bath at three in the afternoon, except maybe when I was like six years old and I had to go to bed at six. (laughs) Yeah, I did feel a bit like that. But you inspired me to have a bath and I had a lovely bath, so thanks. No worries, I'm glad (laughs) I can help. (laughs) And I also broke the wedding diet and I had a bit of dark chocolate because I was trying to tick off all the things that I thought would help me feel relaxed and dark chocolate was one of them i broke the wedding diet as well because i'm drinking ginger beer and whiskey oh yeah well the vodka and the wine probably does that (laughs) (laughs) molly i feel like you need to tell everyone about your new crush on your dentist (laughs) (laughs) oh my god so i i've had a lot of messages from other people who haven't been to the dentist for a very long time longer than me and it did make me feel better it made me feel sad for them because they're still living in fear and they don't need to live in fear they need to find a doctor to uh wash their worries away you can't, can we name him i don't know. i don't think we can name him okay they need to find a doctor x to uh wash their worries away <laughs> well, I wouldn't. I really was not gonna recap on the dentist visit because I didn't want to talk about all my teeth being pulled out. I thought it'd be embarrassing. But she's decided to because she's now obsessed with the dentist. <laughs> I'll talk you through what happened because I think it's gonna help other people. I didn't realize how many people were out there living in fear of the dentist and thinking their teeth were rotting away when really they don't need to be scared. I was walking up to the dentist and I was thinking, I might faint right now. I am so <laughs> nervous. I was shaking. I was really hot. And the, the road to the dentist is so steep. I don't know how there's houses up it. It's just the steepest road. And I was marching up there, just freaking out about the whole thing. Sat in the waiting room. And then the dentist came and got me. And he just turned out to be the nicest person <laughs> in the world. He'd had, a, I think on my notes, it said that I was really nervous Because I'd mentioned it to the receptionist. If I was Sam, I would be a little bit worried about how much you have not stopped going on about how nice the (laughs) dentist was. (laughs) No, he was just really kind. So I got there, I sat down and he was, he just asked me like why I was anxious, what had happened last time. I talked him through it. I did nearly cry because I was just feeling so anxious. (laughs) And then I was revisiting an anxious time. So I was pretty, you know, not in a good way. Did he give you a sweetie for being well behaved? He didn't, but so when he sat me down, he gave me a stress ball to squeeze. (laughs) So that felt a bit weird, but I was like, okay, I'll go with it. Um, And then he was just really, really nice to me. And he was talking to me for about 10 minutes before I even looked in my mouth. I think he thought I was just going to freak out. And I really wasn't that bad. 
and he asked what music I wanted on to calm me down and I said I don't know I don't know because I was just in such a state I, I couldn't think of music and he said well the last person requested George Ezra so can you top that and I was like George Ezra's fine <laughs> I don't listen to George Ezra but I was just happy to take what any any suggestion because there was nothing else in my head sorry George Ezra if you're listening I mean you're not listening but if you are I dislike your music. Oh no, I think his music's quite nice, but I lit because I was so anxious. There was no way I could have recalled a name of anyone. I wouldn't have been able to name anything. I probably wouldn't have been able to remember the name of my dog. But basically, I was happy to talk about this because he looked at my teeth and he used the word brilliant to describe them, which I was shocked about because I was so sure I was going to get all my teeth pulled out. And he was like, no, you don't need any treatment. You're fine. Molly's not smug about it at all. (laughs) (laughs) I haven't stopped talking about it. Anyone that wants to listen, I will tell. And now I've got a podcast to air this on as well. So I'm really happy. Well, there you go. Now everyone knows. There you go. That's enough dentist talk, I feel. Really? I could do a whole podcast on it. No, that was long enough. Oh, he also, wait, this is relevant. No, this is maybe too long now. <laughs> no, no, he said something relevant to the podcast. Oh, God. He said I had scalloped tongue. What, what's that? It's when you're really anxious and you, like, you um, grind your teeth a lot and your tongue becomes the shape of your teeth and I have that. Oh, that's really creepy. So it's just like um, proof that I really am anxious. Let me see your tongue. No, you look okay. Let me see your tongue. What content is this? Oh, yeah, you can see teeth marks on your tongue. Yeah, that is how anxious I am. I'm not making this up, people. I I grind my teeth 24-7. Whoa, that's intense. Let's see how anxious you are today. Do you want to talk us through your anxiety scale? Yeah, so today we decided on cheese. We're still at food, people. We're going to be at food for a while because, let's face it, food's really good. Food is so good. Also, just before we go through the cheese anxiety scale, I don't know if you've got any vegan cheese on your scale, but I really do want to eat less dairy and I try and eat as little dairy as possible, but I just really love cheese and I'm really, really sorry to the planet and I do my best not to eat too much. Me and Adam have toyed with the idea of going vegan so many times and it always Mm. comes down to cheese because we're like we could give everything else up but we just really love cheese (laughs) it's hard isn't it we've given up cow's milk yeah but not in the form of cheese so we just drink oat milk and that's fine our lives are fine but we can't Mm. give up the cheese yeah it's really if you are vegan well done for giving up cheese how did you do it anyway so at number 10 so my least anxious state. This was so hard to choose between two, but I've gone for Stilton, my favourite ever cheese. <laughs> oh no, oh no, we're not going to agree. Basically, I think 18% of our listeners are in America. A lot of people listening are not in the UK. So I'm not sure if you know what Stilton is, but it's a blue cheese. At number one, which would be my most anxious day ever, probably a day I was going to the dentist for the first time in 10 years, I've got baked camembert. (laughs) I don't like melted cheese. I'm okay with it on pizza, but I'm really not a fan of melted cheese. And you you see on, on social media, there's like videos of people eating melted cheese out of a big camembert and it looks disgusting and it's meant to be like, my God, imagine eating this and I'm like, that is the worst thing ever. (laughs) And uh, today I am feta. So you've got to guess. I don't love feta. 
I reckon Fetter's a three or a four. No, Fetter's a six. Oh, how are you a six? That's just not fair. <laughs> wow. I've had, I've made sure I've had a relaxing day, but I really like Fetter, like in a Greek salad. Yeah, in a salad it's okay, but I'm thinking in terms of if someone turned up with a cheese board for you for your cheese course. Yeah, you wouldn't want Fetter on. No, it would be a disappointing cheese platter with Fetter in the works. Yeah, yeah, I get that. What's your anxiety scale looking like? I'm going to start with one because it's funny. So one is my most anxious day ever, and it's Stilton. <laughs> it's we the... cannot be friends. No, I know. It's not working out for us, is it? Me and Sam are having a cheese wedding cake, and Stilton is one of the three tiers. I know, but I- I'm surprised Yarg wasn't on your scale, because let's face it, Yarg is way better than Stilton. Cornish Yarg was number nine and I was split between the two but I thought Stilton's a classic and I've known it for longer. I only discovered Cornish Yarg when I was about 15. So that's fine Molly. I will basically shun your Stilton wedding cake and eat all of your Yarg one. Okay. Can I just say that Cornish Yarg is amazing and if you haven't tried it you need to. It's like really creamy but mild and I know it's not like a very well-known cheese so we just need to publicise Cornish Yarg. Okay. All the rest of the cheeses that I've picked are French because I personally feel that nobody does cheese like the French. Like you can walk into a French supermarket and they dedicate an entire double-sided aisle to cheese. And then if you go into a supermarket here, we give it about half an aisle, if that, maybe even a third. So I feel like if you're going to do cheese properly, you need to go to France and sample all the French cheese. So up at number 10... This is the most, no, the least anxious day ever. It's called Breek. Greek. Breek. Breek. Like brick, but with a Q-U-E at the end, so Breek. You've come here with all your obscure cheeses that I can't comment on. It's not fair. <laughs> so I'll just tell you a little bit about Breek. It's um, sheep cheese, and it's white and quite a soft cheese. So I guess it's like a similar texture to camembert. But I don't really love camembert, so it's not camembert. It's sheep, and it's quite mild, and it's very creamy, and it's so delicious. Its full name is Brique de Bribis. Yeah. So if you're, if you're in the UK, and you've managed to find Brique somewhere, please message me, because I have to wait for my ten of cheeses for whenever I go to France. When you go to France, when I look after Margot, mm. can you bring me back some Brique? Of course, I will do that. Thanks. It's delicious. And then, so, I marked myself as a two on the scale before I had a bath, ate some chocolate, had some vodka. (laughs) Um, It's pushed me up a bit. I'd say I'm now at a four, and a four is a cheese called Rui, which is, again, it's a French cheese. Uh, It's a cow's milk cheese, and it's got an orange skin, so I guess it's similar to Porcelou. Do you know Porcelou? Oh my god, this is so obscure. No, you must know Portaloo. You must have had that. Portaloo. Portaloo. <laughs> it's orange and they sell it in the UK and it's really popular cheese. Molly, you're, you're so I need obscure. I know, I need to cheese educate you. Okay, well you're gonna have to take me to France then, aren't you? <laughs> they sell Portaloo in the UK. Rui mm. is similar to Portaloo, but it's maybe a bit less uh feety. Okay. I'm really surprised halloumi wasn't the top of your scale because I know you like that and that's number two on mine. I hate halloumi. Oh, no, I love halloumi. Halloumi's solidly a nine. Yeah, it's at two. We're so opposite on the cheese scale. Molly, why do we never agree on anything? I know. Well, we agree on Cornish Yarg and that's about it. 
Mm. Well, so you came out with the most obscure cheeses. No one's ever tried. So I wasn't going to be able to comment. They are not obscure. Just because I picked sophisticated French cheeses and didn't go with cheddar at number 10, I do apologise. <laughs> Hey, cheddar's not on my list. Cheddar is not not a cheese, is it? Cheddar is the cheese for people who don't really know their cheeses. Oh, I do like I do like cheddar. I just thought it would be a bit boring. That's to... why. That's why you like cheddar because you need to need cheese educating. Hey, I'm the person that put um, margarita pizza at number ten last week. Of course, I like cheddar. Okay, I'm very, <laughs> I'm plain Jane. Anyway, let's move on. <laughs> This week on the podcast, we will be discussing transitioning from part-time to full-time self-employment. Both myself and Molly are full-time freelance artists, but it hasn't always been that way. So it's going to be interesting answering your questions and talking you through what it is like being a self-employed artist. Thanks to everyone who's sent a question in for us to answer. It's really helpful for us structuring the podcast, having your questions to answer and seeing what things you want us to discuss. So thank you and do continue to send your questions in week on week. Shall we dive into the questions then? Okay, question one. How do you overcome self-doubt slash how do you make yourself believe going freelance could be a reality? Self-doubt is always going to be a factor, even when you have transitioned and you are full-time freelance the self-doubt is always going to be there for me anyway yeah the self-doubt you're right it is always there and I know because you've gone full-time self-employed relatively recently and you're often saying to me that have I done the right thing Mm. it's when you see the sales fluctuate throughout the seasons I think which that is another question but for me that's definitely when the self-doubt creeps in because if you decide to go freelance like I did towards the end of the year in the autumn then seasonally that's quite a good time for sales because people are thinking about Christmas it's a busy time of year so I was on a bit of a high when I started out because I obviously started at the peak and then obviously it Mm. does take a dip in January and then that's when you can start thinking, have I done the right thing? But that you just make, you just put steps in place to prepare yourself for that, like saving some of the money you've made in the busiest peaks and using the time that you're not making so many sales to focus on, on making new work. Yeah, I'd say you're right. From September to even January, that's the best time. January, because people often get money at Christmas. Somehow January is okay. Yeah, my my January was better than February this year, which surprised me. Yeah, January is not bad. But from February to August, I find I'm often treading water and things are trickier. So mm. maybe some good advice is don't go full time starting from February because that would be a hard <laughs> old slog getting to September. That is good advice. See, I'm finding that now because this is my first uh, January, February, March, April, May being full-time freelance and it has it has taken a dip it took a dip from probably end of March beginning of April and I mean Molly can vouch for it I've been feeling really anxious about it and she just keeps Mm. reminding me that it is quite a seasonal thing and hopefully things will pick up again and it's not it's not the end of the world but it's very easy when you're used to having an income that comes in every month you're in the same amount every month that when you're not making the same amount every month you start to panic a bit 
Yeah, and also I feel a bit responsible because I did push you to go full-time <laughs> self-employed and I just really want you to succeed. You did, and that goes into how to believe freelance could be a reality and I think that's a key thing, having people on your side saying that you can do it and supporting you and pushing you to do it because I don't know if I would have done it as quickly as I did if it hadn't mm. been for Molly who was saying, you should do it, you can do it. And you really believed in me and it did make me feel like... I could probably make it a reality. So I think it does help if you have people on your side and it probably doesn't help if you have people who are really negative or doubting the fact that you can make a living as a full-time artist. Yeah, you need people that are going to be supporting you, cheering you on, sharing your work online. Like at first you really rely on your friends and family to share your work and make those first few sales and also understand that maybe your weekends aren't free anymore and that you need to work more than you did before. Okay, question two. Do you have any tips to manage sales fluctuations when starting out? So we've, we've, we've just sort of covered that a bit about the fluctuation mm. in seasonal sales. Um, if you're really, really worried about starting out and initially not making any sales, then it might be a good idea to have a little nest egg before you go self-employed, some savings to fall back on if it does take you a little while to make those initial sales. If you're really worried financially and you're not quite sure the pattern of your business, it might not be the right time for you to go self-employed. I wouldn't jump in and just hope without any knowledge that you will succeed because it's a risky thing to give up your job and go full-time self-employed. Being full-time employed, you don't quite realise how many benefits it has, like sick pay holiday pay, time off when you need things like the dentist and the doctors when you're full-time freelance, you have to just accept. You still have to do those things, but you're not going to get paid for it. Question three. When is the time right? Do you become a full-time artist when you're selling so much art that you can't do your full-time job? This is an interesting question because me and Molly have very different experiences, I think. Yeah, we do. So I... Just want to acknowledge here that I wouldn't have been able to go full-time when I did if I didn't have support from the people around me financially. Because I was working full-time as a picture framer to begin with and then I started dropping my days over about 18 months. So I was working five days as a picture framer and then in my spare time I made art and I dropped it down. I think in the end I was working two days as a picture framer, three days making art. So I did do it gradually and I was still earning but I wasn't earning enough to live off um but we moved house away from my work and I just thought well this is the time I was like well I can't get to work anymore so I might as well work full-time on my art and I really did want to do that um that is what I that was my goal but if I didn't have the financial support of my partner or my parents I couldn't have done it Mm. when I ran out of money which happened a few times, <laughs> because it does when you're not making much money from your art. I'd have to buy money off Sam to pay for a Christmas card order and pay him back when I'd made the money back. It mm-hmm. was very tricky, um, and not everyone's in the position to do that. I was really, really lucky to be able to take the plunge earlier than a lot of people would be able to. Yeah, so I was working full-time as a graphic designer, and a couple of years ago, maybe two or three years ago, I decided to cut my days so that I had a bit more balance a bit more time to work on my freelance work I always knew that 
always the goal for me has been to become freelance with my work but I always knew it was a bit of a long game so to begin with I cut my days at work so I just did four days as a graphic designer one day as an illustrator and it doesn't sound like a lot but the difference that having a whole day at home in my studio to focus on building up my portfolio was enormous so I would say that's a really good place to start and then unlike Molly I was a bit scared and I waited until I knew my business was bringing in enough money for me to live on before quitting my job. But I was very lucky with timings of things because I was put on furlough because of COVID from my graphic design job early last year, which obviously means I was getting paid my graphic design salary, but I wasn't working for them. So I had all that time and the financial support and I was able to just do lots of drawing, invest in lots of stock and really work on my business and I have COVID to thank I think for Mm. helping me go full-time self-employed because that time was invaluable and still getting my salary to pay for the stock whilst having all the time was yeah a really great thing. Mm, That is the dream isn't it that was a dream scenario I remember (laughs) you telling me when we were first chatting you were like yeah I'm furloughed and I'm able to rent my art full time I was thinking that's amazing to get a salary and then make money from being an illustrator it's just it was just everything came together it was yeah it was good timing it's the one thing I remember thinking COVID is awful but if it hadn't happened I probably wouldn't right now Mm. be self-employed so ups and downs swings and roundabouts yeah, I think we both did what I would recommend, which is dropping your days at work. Mm. If you've got, if you're lucky enough to have a job, and if they let you drop your days at work, because I'm guessing not at all places allow that. It made such a difference for me. And when when I say to people that I only dropped my working days by one day a week, they just don't believe that that was enough time. But it really, really was. How did you deal with like sending orders on the days you were working? If you had orders to dispatch, how did you manage to post them? Well, I worked in Central Bath in the design offices. So every single lunch break was just spent with me going to the post office. Mm. So it worked out quite well, really. I just lugged all the stuff on the bus at the beginning of the day and then went to the post office in my lunch break. I think it's really risky going from being full-time employed and then going right I'm quitting my job and I'm gonna do what I've been doing in the evenings or on the weekends because unless you know you're making a decent amount of money from that that is such a change I do think doing it gradually by dropping your days is the best way to do it there's always going to be a risk as well because as we've said not all points of the year are going to be the same for you sales wise and I was really scared I remember really doubting I wrote out my notice and then I remember saying to Molly I just don't know whether I can send this in this is Mm. just too much for me giving should I am I making the right decision maybe I should just keep this job and then the day that I actually sent the email with my notice in I just sat at my desk having heart palpitations <laughs> trying to decide whether I made the right decision I 100% made the right decision for me at the time mm. I think but it was terrifying I remember seeing it was like around the same time it was the summer last year I remember seeing so many people on Instagram say I've just quit my job I've just had my notice and I was thinking oh my god everyone's going full-time on that art this is such a bumper year for artists I think a lot of artists did really well last year because it was all shop small support artists through Covid and it was so helpful but then I kept thinking 
God, I hope it's okay when we come out the other side and the sales... See, that's what makes me worry. That's, that really plays on my mind, what you've just said. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm one of those people that thinks maybe last year was just my year and it's all going to go downhill from now. I'm happy to say that my stats this year, January, up until it started to dip, uh, they were up from the year before. So I hopefully yeah. feel like it's going to be okay. But yeah, as I said, and I'm not going to, I'm going to be really honest, I have seen a dip from April to May from last year. But that was when, as you say, everyone was trying to support small businesses. Everyone was um, trying to push money into the small businesses to help them stay afloat. And if you were getting furlough money like me, maybe you had, you had loads more disposable income because you weren't paying to get a bus to work, etc. So you had that time to invest in art for your house. I do think last year for a lot of creatives was a peak of sales in terms of they were just being supported so much by the general public. It doesn't mean this year is going to be bad. It just means limit your expectations. Last year was remarkable in many ways. It was awful and also it had good points. Mm. Have faith, B. It's going to be okay. Thanks, And if not, you can blame me because I pushed you. (laughs) (laughs) It will be okay. Okay, let's move on. Do you have any tips for dealing with loneliness? Uh, Molly, you are my uh, tip for dealing with loneliness. (laughs) Yeah, just DM me, everyone. Yeah. Find someone else who's also freelance and message them all the time because it's awkward with messaging people who you know are in their full-time jobs and maybe shouldn't be on their phones all day. But (laughs) me and Molly don't have an excuse. We can happily message each other back and it's great. It's a really nice thing to know that Molly's always there if I need a chat. Yeah, we message each other in the morning. We just tell each other what we're doing that day. It's the most boring voice notes for anyone else. (laughs) But I'm just like, yeah, I might do some engraving. And then I've got a couple of orders to pack. Like, it's that kind of fodder, but we love it. And then then I get the voice note, which is Molly going, I'm just on a walk with uh, Winnie. And then I send one right back going, I'm just on my walk with Margot. And it's just delightful listening, but only for me and Molly. Yeah, can you imagine how boring it would be for everyone else? So, yeah, find find another freelance person you get on with and just tell them every tiny thing about your day. Mm. It's like having a co-worker. Because it is lonely, because despite the fact I really didn't like being a graphic designer, really, and working for someone else, because I always knew I wanted to do my own thing. One of the things I loved about it was being in an office with other creative people, and you'd finish a project and you could show people and say, oh, what do you think about this? Or it would get spell-checked, or, you know, you could bounce ideas off each other, and that's what I need Molly for now. (laughs) I just send Molly little photos of what I'm working on going, is this okay? Yeah, no, it's really useful. And we've only been speaking like that for less than a year. I really miss my colleagues at the Picture Framers. Even though I'm quite, like, a lone manger, I like being on my own. (laughs) I I do miss them. And I used to ask Sam what he thought of things I was doing and he's got such I'm not going to say bad taste but opposite taste whatever he'd say was good I'd be like okay it's the other one like that was how I worked it so now I've got B I can send her a picture and I'd go with what she says because oh that's nice we have that's good to taste. know the same with you because I well actually Adam used to be quite 
samey in his advice where he'd just say everything was wonderful which you know no one needs to hear everything is never wonderful oh no i always need to hear that i don't like criticism well he flipped a switch i think when i went freelance and now he just tells me the honest truth so if i show him something and he doesn't like it he will outright say to me i don't i just don't think that's very good and no that's not okay no well honesty is the best policy because sometimes you've gone to me with some advice and I've taken it on board. I mean, not advice like, that badger is awful, redraw it, because that hurts my badger's feelings. <laughs> but No, I think I all, I nearly am always positive about things you ask. But if I really like it, you'll, re- you'll know. Mm. So I'll say, yeah, I really like that. But if I really like it, I'll be like, be that. I think that's the best thing you've shown me. I will always be positive. I don't like putting people down. But you'll know if I love it. Yeah, that that's true, but I do want you to be honest as well. Okay, well, if I'm ever lukewarm about something, go, yeah, that's quite nice, you know I don't like it. Oh, dear. Okay. <laughs> I'll take that on board for next time. Okay. Did you always know you wanted to be self-employed? I always knew I wanted to work on my art, but... I'm not sure if I ever thought it would be possible, actually, to do it full-time, because I knew how hard it was going to be to make a living from it. So it was a dream, and I hoped that I would make it there one day. So, yeah, I suppose Mm. I did always want that, but I also was fairly realistic about achieving it. I think I always wanted to be self-employed. I did feel lost a lot of the time and think, oh, do I want to be doing this? Is this possible? Like That was going through my head, but I think the underlying thought was yeah, I'm going to be full-time self-employed, this is going to be fine, it'll all be good. That was, I did, I did believe that, and it was really delusional. Somehow I've got there, but I do think what are the chances of actually achieving that is pretty slim. I know, it does make me think there are, there are just so many people out there making art who would absolutely love to make a living from it, and what differentiates them from us, in a way, it's yeah. a very competitive market. I think if you've got a mixture of all the things you need, that's when you can achieve full-time self-employment. Like, you've got to be good on social media, know what looks right. You've got to be ambitious, motivated and good at what you do. Like, it's a whole cocktail of things that feed into being successful and you've kind of got to have a good mix of them all. Mm, yeah. But those are all things that you can you can learn and you can practice and I honestly believe if you want something and you work hard, you will get there. Yeah, you, you have to have a lot of discipline and you have to believe in yourself and you have to want to work hard. I think if you're lazy, you're mm. not going to make it. But I think if you're lazy, it's because you don't want it enough. If you really want something, you will work on a Saturday, you know, and you will choose to work rather than do something more fun because you want it that badly. Was there one specific thing that indicated to you that it was time to move from part-time to full-time? I'm not sure one specific thing. I think it's an accumulation of factors that make you think, oh, maybe maybe I could do this. Was it not the fact for you, was it not the fact that the amount you were earning per month you could live off? Was that not the one thing? Yeah, probably. Because I remember being sat in the garden back last May. Do you remember when May was sunny and hot? yeah (laughs) I remember being sat in the garden and having a chat with Adam and my sales were really good and I remember saying do you think that I could give up my job is this the start of me being able to be freelance and I was worried about it because I kept thinking that it was going to go away and that it was like I was having a freak month and the sales were good but then they were going to drop again 
And, yeah, I just remember having the chat with Adam and him saying, well, if it continues this way, then, yeah, I don't think you're going to need to rely on the money from your job anymore. And my one specific thing was the fact we were moving house, and it was 2018. We were moving house, I couldn't commute to my job, and... Couldn't because you didn't like driving, or couldn't because you physically couldn't? Uh, couldn't, well, I couldn't really physically do it, because I would have got public transport, and... I mean, it would have taken days, really. <laughs> and I didn't have a car. Because yeah. I'd sold my car when I went part-time. So when we moved, I we had a dog. And I'd got Winnie when I was a picture frame man. I knew I could take her to work. So I knew whatever job I got, I needed to be able to take her with me because I don't want to leave her home all day. So I thought, well, there aren't really many options out here in the country. Might as well go full-time. And I was really addicted to wood engraving. <laughs> I just wanted to do it every single second of the day. And I said to Sam, I'll give it a year and see see how far I get. Hmm. So before you moved house, did you, did you know? Did you know that you were going to quit your job? It was leading up to that. I think I... Mainly because I was, I loved my job at first. I dream about making picture frames. I was obsessed with picture frames. But then a couple of years in, I think dealing with the public just became really hard, especially for someone that's socially anxious. I was really, really anxious at work about... Every time a customer walked in, I was like, oh, no, this is just the worst. Bearing in mind, so as a picture framer there, we would take the order, make the order take the payment like we did everything and um all you need are, is a few rogue slightly angry customers <laughs> and you just you just feel like you can't go into work it was just really stressful for someone like me how do you effectively time manage slash discipline yourself since becoming self-employed some days I'm really disciplined and I'm gonna and I say to myself I'm going to be in my studio at nine o'clock and I'm gonna work until five o'clock and other days I just know that life gets in the way and Margot needs to go to the vets or Adam's doing something so I need to make sure Margot has her walk at a different time so it doesn't always work out that way but I do try and be fairly self-disciplined I think. Mm. I found it really hard so when I was part-time so part-time bitch from a part-time artist I would work from like maybe 10 I'd roll out of bed pretty late work from about <laughs> 10 to about three and then I'd watch crap game shows on the tv from about three and sam would come home and i'd be lying on the sofa i was such i was so unmotivated because i didn't need the money at that point i was earning i was earning a wage from the picture framers and i was making like not much on my art and i just there was no motivation as soon as i quit my job as picture framer i was completely opposite tunnel vision i have to make money and i was working almost too hard so Mm. i went from one extreme to the other this is where i think if you're working full-time dropping your days is really going to help you learn how to discipline yourself because when i had my it was wednesdays that i had off i remember thinking i've got this one day out of a whole week and in this day I have to do as much as I can to push my business forward and so Wednesdays were always so productive I would get up really early I would be in my studio all day I'd write a to-do list the day before and structuring my days like that have helped me learn how to structure being full-time freelance. It all comes down to motivation at the end of the day doesn't it if you're not able to motivate yourself you're not suited for full-time self-employment. Right Next question. 
Any advice on financial security at the beginning of going full-time freelance? I think if you're worried about your finances when you first go full-time self-employed then make sure that you've got some savings to fall back on don't go into it head first with no money uh, and no means to pay the bills because that will put a lot of financial pressure on yourself yeah and if there's loads of pressure on you financially you're not going to enjoy making and then there's no point being self-employed if you're not enjoying it you might as well just get a job yeah absolutely my advice would be There's loads of grants you can apply for to get funding if you're starting out, especially a lot of them seem geared towards young people. So from the ages of Mm. 16 to 30, there's more grants. And also there's the Prince's Trust that you can apply for. You go to um, a meeting. So I have a bit of a story about this. So my friend um, was part of the Prince's Trust scheme and I thought, oh, that sounds great. I could really do with some mentoring. I don't know what I'm doing. So... I emailed them, they invited me to a meeting and there were about eight of us and we were all sat in a circle and everyone went round and they told their idea. So maybe it was about fashion or maybe it was they were going to go into food and everyone had amazing business ideas and it got to me and I went, <laughs> I just want to make art. And I felt so alienated. I did, I... Everyone had such a clear business plan and I walked in there just thinking, I just want to make art. But wasn't the point of the meeting for them to help you with your business plan? I think it was just an initial meeting for... I'm not really sure what the point of the meeting was, but I felt so out of place and I had such imposter syndrome. I just couldn't go back and I just... I emailed them and I said, this isn't the right time for me, I can't do this right now. And they were like, you can... I I just said, like, I can't do this. I'll I'll apply again in a year, and I never did. So how does it work? Do they give uh, small businesses money for starting out? Um, I think mainly it's mentoring. So you'd go to your first meeting, and maybe you get selected for a scheme, and then I think there's, like, an... I could be completely wrong, because obviously I haven't done it, but I think there's (laughs) um, a few days you go on with other people that want to start businesses and you learn lots of things about starting a business and then you have a mentor that works with you um, alongside your business and you have regular meetings and they can support you. And is it all free? Yeah, it's all free. That sounds really good. I never did anything like that. I never thought of doing anything like that, but it definitely sounds like a good place to start if you are thinking, how do I even start the process of becoming self-employed? If you are worried about having enough money to invest in stock, I have seen, I haven't done this personally, but I have seen quite a few small businesses who've done things like really want to make enamel pins. But as someone who's made enamel pins, I know that they cost a lot initially. And so quite a few businesses do things like Kickstarters. And Kickstarter means that you set up a page where you say, I want to make for example, three enamel pins, and it's going to cost me £700. And people can then back the project. And if it gets the full financial backing, then you get all that money and the people who've backed it then get their enamel pins. If it doesn't get all the money, it doesn't get funded. But it's quite a good way because you don't have to initially invest the money. You can see whether people want to buy it first, basically. As I say, I've never done it, but I have. But I haven't done it because I've thought it'd be really scary if a project didn't get fully funded. It would look like a failure. But I was just thinking, I'd be so scared to put it up and go, "Look, I'm doing a Kickstarter." It's mm. it. Fe- it would feel like a really public way to fail. But also, 
enamel pin, like shedding out £700 on some enamel pins that you, when you might not be feeling confident they're going to sell if you're a new business and you're starting out, putting the Kickstarter out there and asking people to pay up front and kind of sponsor the project in a way is probably a good place to start if you're brave enough for public failure. But you're not going to fail. Positive vibes. You've got to believe in yourself. People are going to back the project if you believe in it. Yeah. Okay, this is our final question. How do you keep track of finances since relying on your own income? So at the end of last year, when I found myself in quite a good position where the business was doing quite well, I was in a good position where I was able to put savings away, which I would suggest is a really good idea because then when it got to this year and sales started to dip a bit, I had that to fall back on and to spend on new stock so I wasn't worrying too much about the dip in finances yeah you've got a when things are going well don't just spend it all you do need to save a bit so I was in a similar position that I had a really good year last year but then I injured my hands and I couldn't work very much I had to take a few months off and I was able to work through those savings and keep afloat so it was really important to have that yeah it's really a good idea not because it's quite tempting when you have all that money that you've made to think I'm gonna invest all of it but definitely hold a bit back because there will be days weeks months where you might not be making anything would you say that you pay yourself a salary or do you just go there's some spare money here I might buy myself a jumper No, if there's spare money, I don't really buy anything that isn't business related because I think if you spend money in your business, you'll make more money in your business. But if I have spare money in there, what I do every month, I pull out the money, put it in my normal bank account and then I use that to pay bills and the mortgage. Mm. And if I've got anything else spare, I put it away in savings for when I need to pay my taxes. Yeah, that's another thing. You mustn't forget about taxes. There were a few questions about taxes, but they weren't specifically about transitioning from freelance to self-employed. So we're saving them for maybe another podcast. But it is a huge thing to remember when you do go self-employed. Obviously, when you're getting a salary, your tax is being taken out of it by your employer. And when you're self-employed, you have to do that yourself. So don't put yourself in a position where you haven't saved and it gets to the end of the tax year and you owe X amount and you don't have it you just don't want to be in that position I've been really bad at keeping up with my accounts I didn't know if I was making money so I was just spending when I thought I could I thought I could invest in that because I think I'd be making money and I wasn't sure and then when I started really keeping an eye on what I was actually making I've been spending a lot less because I realized I wasn't doing as well (laughs) as I thought so I needed to spend less basically doing taxes isn't fun for anyone but I would recommend um, just using a really simple accounting software that even someone like me can understand. Um, I use QuickBooks Self-Employed. This is not an ad. Um, it's just to say that it's great because it tracks, it ha- it's connected to my bank accounts. So it tracks every single transaction. All I have to do is attach a receipt to it. It's so good. It saves me so much time. And as Molly's just said, I can check it every month see what I've spent, see what I've made. It's great. I think if you're worried about your accounts, just set yourself up with something like QuickBooks. Molly, let's play a fun little game. Okay. Quickfire, pros and cons of being self-employed, okay? Yeah. So am I doing pros or cons? So give me five pros. Oh my God, this is so stressful. Quickfire, just first, first thought that comes into your head. You get to do what you love every day. 
If you have any pets, you can spend all day with them and hug them whenever you want. You don't have to apply for a holiday day. You can just decide you don't feel like working that day and you can take the day off. And you can have a bath at three in the afternoon. It's an exciting career. There's no limit to where you can get to. You can't see your career path. You just kind of go with it and see where things take you. And lastly, you enter a world of other freelancers, self-employed people who are really supportive and we just all understand what each other are going through. Right, B, give me your five cons of being full-time self-employed. Okay, not having any sick pay or holiday pay, not having the financial stability of having an income coming in every month, Uh, not having work colleagues and people to chat to all day, not having the schedule that you would get in a working day where somebody has laid your day out for you and you know exactly what you're doing. And five, my personal one, is I really miss when I used to have to go to Bath every day and spend every lunchtime wandering around the beautiful city. Mm. Yeah, getting out of the house, it's been extra hard, hasn't it, since lockdown? Yeah, I am finding it quite hard at the moment, especially as I've really outgrown my studio. It's quite claustrophobic Mm. in here. Yeah, Bea had been telling me how small her studio was, and I was like, no, it's not that small from what I can see over Zoom. And then now I've been in her studio... (laughs) It, it is small. It's small. You do need a bigger studio. She was shocked by how small it actually was. I was really shocked. I think your Mac camera does something that just makes it look big, whereas you get in there and you're like, wow, this is small. The thing is, it is not a small room. It's quite big for just a spare room, but because I've got so mm. much stock and so many boxes and it's all... Yeah. It, I'm, I'm literally boxed in. Yeah. So, yes, I do need a new studio. I'm really excited because I'm going to see my parents this weekend for the first time in ages because of lockdown and I just, I can't wait. And you're having a lovely wedding prep weekend which I just think sounds like the nicest weekend. Yeah, hopefully it will be good. I think we're making the wedding cake, me and my mum. So I don't know how we're going to fit it all in because we're also going to make a bar to have at the, the wedding for all the cocktails this weekend me and Margo are flying solo and I really don't like being by myself so Friday night's gonna be fun Saturday night I do have some of my friends coming over you've got a wedding prep weekend as well yeah we're going bridesmaid shoe shopping and then we're going to make origami cranes in the evening because I'm attempting to make a thousand of them for my wedding yeah, when you told me that, I was like, really? Because I know how long origami takes, and a thousand origami cranes. That's uh, quite a deverish request. <laughs> Bridezilla request. Yeah. Actually, I've done quite well in making them, I think. But Adam keeps telling me I need to have them made by the end of June. I don't know why. The wedding is not in June. Yeah, why? Well, because once they've been made, they need to all be strung up on their fishing wire so they can be hung, which... Molly said she's going to help me with. She will regret yeah, saying this, but she has already volunteered and I'm not going to let her back out of it. I, I managed to get out of the origami making <laughs> stage, but yeah, I'm in with the string and the on. I just think that stringing them up is probably going to take not as long, but quite a long time. Well, I'll be there and it will, we could do a podcast record at the same time <laughs> and just be full of noises of paper. Yeah, so 
Wedding weekends all round, to conclude. Wedding weekends all round for the next few months, I think. (laughs) Yeah. In fact, the next episode of the podcast, we're actually just going to do a fun wedding special to celebrate Molly's upcoming nuptials. Well, yeah, because by the time the next episode comes out, I should be married, unless COVID gets (laughs) near again. So we need to kind of do a pre-record and we were gonna, it's going to be about taking time away from self-employment slash wedding stuff. My dad messaged me today saying he was listening to the podcast and he wrote it as oink. Because <laughs> out of ink is oink when written down. It's oink, not oink. 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 O-O-I-N-K. Oh, he wrote, he wrote the full word ink. Yeah, he put he put O O ink like oink. So should we start like referring to it as oink? I quite like that. Oink <laughs> might confuse people <laughs> as to what it's about. Did your dad like the podcast? My parents are huge fans of the podcast. Completely unbiased. My mum <laughs> listened to it straight away. My parents are also quite big fans. I mean, it would be disappointing if they weren't. So that's true. My parents, I think my mum listened to it straight away this week when it came out and my dad was listening to it today, so I'm glad they're giving us two listens and not listening together. My mum is a bit disappointed that nobody messaged us and asked for her sponge cake recipe. She keeps asking me whether people want her recipe. You should put. You should just do a call out. See if anyone wants it. Yeah, she. I think she just really, really wants people to have it. It's a really good sponge cake. I would recommend the recipe being out there. So if anyone wants Bee's mum's sponge cake recipe, do DM Bee on Instagram. <laughs> She's also really upset because she had a question about Instagram for that for that episode, but she got her question in after we'd recorded, and her question was what is Instagram? Which I just thought was so funny. <laughs> and when your parents' feedback on our Instagram episode was that it was good, but it was quite long. And we did think, <laughs> oh, it would feel long, wouldn't it, if you didn't know what Instagram yeah, was? Yeah, I do feel for them. They sat through the whole thing and they must have just been going, I just don't know what they're talking about the whole time. But it shows how much they love you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode. We hope that answering your questions has helped you decide whether full-time self-employment is for you. Yeah, and just remember that everyone's going at their own pace and don't feel the pressure to go self-employed before you are truly ready. Thanks for listening and don't forget to rate, review and subscribe. Right, we should go now because Bee's got to make another 900 origami cranes. (laughs) Yeah, I'll just aim for 800 tonight, I think. You know, don't want to set myself up for failure. You know it's going to take you months. End of June, Molly, that's my deadline. Okay, well, good luck. And then you can come over the whole of July and help me string them up. (laughs) I'll be there.